We're going to start a uh, a mini series that was really just supposed to be one week, and uh, then kick off a new series next week on the attributes of God, which we will get to. But uh, this is going to take me longer than one. I didn't think you'd want to be here till like two or three today. So unless you want to, I can keep going. Anybody? Oh, nobody's talking. Fabulous. But, uh, you know, we, we sing these songs and we, we celebrate the risen Christ. And, and I do, I want you to know that at Redeemer City Church, we unashamed make a confession every time that we gather in this place. And that is that we believe in Jesus. We don't apologize for it. We don't succumb to the pressures of our world about it. Because we look at and we believe in the abundantly clear, I want you to hear me today, the abundantly crystal clear evidence that Jesus died on a cross, dead. The soldier ran that spear up into his heart sack and out came the blood and the water. He was dead for you. But we also believe the abundantly crystal clear evidence, and we confess this every time we get together, that Jesus got up out of that grave, rose again, and lives right now, ruling and reigning in heaven at the right hand of God. And so, believing that, confessing that out loud, not being ashamed of that, what does that do to you? What are the implications of believing in the gospel? You see, because one of the things that could happen is we could be like the disciples in Acts chapter 1. And that's what we're going to be, be in today. If you have a Bible, you can go there. But what I want you to notice is that they watched Jesus die. They watched Jesus rise from the dead. And still missed it. So if you and I think that we can sit here today post-Easter and just go, what a great Easter. See you next year. Faith speaking, you're here. That's a good step. But if the resurrection doesn't change the way you live, You're not a Christian. You're not. You might believe that there's a God, but if it doesn't actually change the way you live, you're really not a follower of Jesus. It's just, I can give birth to a child, but if I don't parent that child, I'm not really a parent. I just have offspring. You see what I'm saying? Like, the resurrection, if true, changes everything. It absolutely changes everything. And if he got up and walked after being dead and still lives, see, because there, that's, the other, that's the other caveat. People point to is that, well, other people have been raised from the dead. I mean, Lazarus. and well, But what about right now? They are dead. <laughs> Jesus is not. So if Jesus is alive, then it makes 
everything else that he said about himself worth diving into headfirst. Because that changes everything. Because if he said, I'm God, I've come here to die, I will rise again, and I will rule and reign. If that happened, it changes things. It changes things. And so I want to look at that with you today, but I, I just I want to give you maybe a small illustration uh, that Jake will be proud of today. Pastor Jake will be proud of today. In the great city of Cleveland, Ohio, um, there was a giant billboard put on one of the skyscrapers downtown. It was giant, and it was of LeBron James. Anybody know LeBron James, basketball player, NBA, Cleveland Cavaliers? All right, the prodigal left Cleveland. He came back to Cleveland, and they put up this giant billboard, and it was LeBron, and there was a Nike check, and all it said was, we are all witnesses. We are all witnesses. Witnesses of what? Their Savior returned. And he did. He literally saved them. He won them a championship. And so they put this billboard up, we are all witnesses. Why? Because he was a god in Cleveland. Nobody could do that. He must be God. The Cavaliers can't win a championship. He must be God. So they put up that billboard, obviously joking, but why did they put that up? Because LeBron said, I'm coming back to get Cleveland a championship. And he did it. And it changed Cleveland sports anyway. (laughs) Literally, he says. (laughs) I know know Jake, he called me on the phone that night, and he was running around like a wild animal. And then I heard a, he jumped in the pool uh, with all of his clothes on. And uh, so it changes people. But when Pastor Jake preached a few weeks ago, he, he mentioned this concept that If God is God, and he did for you what he said he did, it changes things. And so, we pay attention a lot to people's final words, don't we? We we look at the last things they say. Even our inmates, when on death row, when they get brought into that chamber, what's the last question they're asked? Do you have any Final words. Do you have any final words? Why? Because a person's final words give weight. They give weight to who they are and what they were about and why they did what they did. Why they acted the way they acted. Jesus on the cross as he was dying used his final words to say, it is finished. So that you would know That forever, fixed in heaven, is your salvation. If you could lose it, you would. You're held in the grip of grace. But what's cool about Jesus is he had a second chance at last words, right? When he rose again, the Bible says that he lived for some 40 days and appeared to many people. And some translations say that he had convincing proofs for people, like eating breakfast. If you're dead, you don't eat breakfast, right? And so, 
all of this is taking place, and then Jesus takes his disciples out to a mountainside. Just picture it, right? We're not in Tampa. We're not in Tampa anymore. We're out in the mountains, on the mountainside in the Middle East. And he's just looking out with his disciples, and he has a second chance at last words. A second chance to tell his disciples one last thing. And by the way, they got in their last words too. And what I want you to look at is we came through Easter. We came through Good Friday and Easter. The disciples came through Good Friday and Easter. And I want you to look at the disciples' question of Jesus as he's about to ascend away. And I want you to look at Jesus' response and his command to them. And so I want to look at it this way. I want to look at the fact that Acts chapter 1 gives us one insight. One command and one promise. Fair enough? All right, let's read what Acts chapter 1 has to say. Here's what the Bible reads in the first book. That was the book of Luke. All right, Luke is the author of Acts. He says this, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Side note, parenthesis, stick with me. Okay, you, you paying attention? You picking up what I'm laying down? All right, side note, uh, what Jesus did, did not get him hated and murdered. People were very fine with the sideshow, with the miracles and the healings and the uh, making the lame walk and the blind see. That was, not only was that really cool for like social services, but it was also really cool because like, dude, that guy couldn't see. Like I saw him sitting by that gate for a long time. And now he can see. That's pretty cool. I don't care who you are. That's cool, right? Like if my mom lives out of a wheelchair, if like you could roll into her house tomorrow and be like, rise and walk, take up your mat and go home. She'd be like, woo. And I'd be like, woo. And like, it would be awesome, right? Jesus, everybody was fine with what Jesus did. You know what they weren't fine with? What Jesus said. You see, Luke says they were fine with what they did, they were not fine with what Jesus taught. See, because Jesus came and said, I am God. And then he didn't set up the kingdom they thought he was going to set up. And, and I want to, as we read this text, I want to ask you the same question. I want to ask you the same question. Are you struggling with Jesus today because he's not come in and set up the kingdom you thought he was going to set up for you? You see, because your circumstances are not always God's perspective. God's perspective is always bigger and more intentional than yours could ever be. We're all in that space, aren't we? We've all been in times where we're going, God, what are you doing right now? And it's in that perspective that I, that I want to read Acts chapter 1, the rest of it, because these are verses you know, but maybe haven't thought of in that perspective. That these are the last words Jesus gave his disciples, who, by the way, are missing the point. Let's look, let's look what it says. Until the day, verse 2, when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. We dealt with that last week appearing to them 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. 
Now the disciples are getting excited. He's, he's finally, okay, you did the dying thing. You did the rising thing. Now you're speaking about the kingdom of God. Now we're getting somewhere, Jesus. Finally, what were we thinking? Like, you had to die and rise again first, and now you're going to go and blow up Rome, right? But look what he says. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. That's like winning the Powerball. I mean, like, just wait. How many of you, if you won the lottery, would just hang out for a week? (laughs) No, no, no. We go get our money, right? Jesus just proved that he was God. They're like, let's go. And Jesus had to order them to wait. You know, you, you don't have to order somebody to do something that they don't want to do, that they want to do, right? <laughs> they didn't want to wait. You and I don't want to wait. But look what he says. But to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then here's what's so telling. I've already alluded to it. Here's what the disciples say. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? There's a lot of things wrong with that statement. First of all, it was wrong. (laughs) It was narrow. And it was racist. It was all three of those things. Let me ask you about your gospel. Is it narrow? And is it racist? No, you can't talk about that. You're the preacher. (laughs) But we have to. Because what Jesus died for was so much more significant than you having the stuff you want. What did he die for? A multi-ethnic, multi-generational church. And he gave his life for it. And then he's called us to lay our life down and give our life for it. That changes things. And so look what Jesus says. Jesus just tells them how it is. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he said these things as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And I love this next statement because this is you and I, right? Like, and when he had said these things, he cloud took him out of sight, verse 10. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, look how they're rebuked. Men of Galilee. Why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. I think some of us too, post Easter, post celebration, post everything, you know, we do around that, we, we kind of do this. You know, we come to church and we sing and we read. And we're caught gazing into heaven. Don't get me wrong, that's not bad. It's not bad, but Jesus left us an incredibly important last word. An incredibly important last word. Think about this, though. As, as you consider Jesus today, think about all the things he said of himself. 
Think think of all the ways he presented himself as a better way than the one the world offers. Think about the I am statements of Jesus. I am the bread of life. If Jesus was your food every day, what would be different? I am the light of the world. If you believed and trusted that Jesus would light your next step and that was enough, what would it change? I am the good shepherd. Do you actually believe, do I actually believe that God has the best thing in mind? The best thing in mind. Even when you're suffering. Even when you can't see clearly that he's a good shepherd. That he's a good shepherd. Then he goes on to this. He says, I am the true vine. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Not, not even a little bit. Nothing. And then he says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you follow the way in the truth, you'll find your life. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. And at the scene of his ascension, he takes that second chance to give us a promise, a command, and an insight. And I want to just walk you through those this morning, and then we're going to take the next few weeks to look at what does it actually mean to be a witness, because the Bible lays it out incredibly clear, and we want to look at that, and we want to be a part of that. We don't just want to talk about that, but but here's what's important. He, first of all, he promised you the Holy Spirit. Are you experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit? I was thinking about this this week. Like, how often am I experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit? What an amazing thought. We, we sing to God, we remember God, we serve God, but how often are we living in the power of the Holy Spirit? And in, and in case you think that that's an elusive thing, the, the word that the Bible chooses to use there is the Greek word for dynamite. Okay, think about it this way. Your little neighbor friend is setting off firecrackers and cherry bombs in the middle of the night. You're like, oh, stupid kid. Stupid kid. He blows your house up with dynamite. You feel different? How many of you know when the dynamite happened? Okay, you're, you're like, you're standing in your backyard and you hear, eh, whatever. Then you hear, boom. You're like, you know dynamite was there, right? Like nobody's confused when dynamite goes off. If a firecracker goes off, you might think, wow, well, is that, is that the Spirit or is that me? No, no, no. When the Holy Spirit's here, you know it. When the Holy Spirit's here, you know it. And so let me back up now and ask you the question. How often are you living in the power of the Holy Spirit? Because the God who died rose again and ascended back into heaven to sit at the right hand of God on the throne room of heaven. <laughs> the last thing he says to you and me is, I will give you power. The other Gospels record it this way. Jesus tells his disciples, it, it's going to be better for you that I go away and that you receive the Holy Spirit. How many of you face to face with Jesus would be like, yeah, I think you're right. I think you should just leave. Yeah, God, I think you just 
Get out of here. Scrat. Scat. Get. Imagine being a disciple in that moment. God in the flesh. Messiah. The one you've been waiting millennia for. I'm out of here and it's going to be for your good. I think you're mistaken. I think you being here is just fine. Why did he say that? Because he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit with power. Now, the Holy Spirit gets abused in our day and age. Because sometimes we just talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. But God gave us a command with that promise. He said, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit so that you can be my witness. I'm going to come on you with power in the Holy Spirit to be my witness. I'm asking you a lot of questions today. I'm sorry, but I want to ask you another one. Who are you sharing Jesus with? If you study Jesus carefully, he, he frequently talks about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. When he teaches us to pray, he says, pray that God's kingdom would come on earth just as it is in heaven. And then when he gives you your role in the kingdom, it's to be his witness with power, with the Holy Spirit's power. This is maybe the most difficult part of being a Christian, isn't it? Receiving the power of the Holy Spirit and walking across the hallway at work and sharing Christ. Why do you need the power of the Holy Spirit? Because that's hard. It's really difficult. Now, I know some of you are more spiritual than me, and it's not. Okay? But we, 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 we sang about revival today. What, what, is, what is revival? People try and conjure up revival all over the place. All over the world, churches are trying to stir up revival. We can't stir up revival. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to stir up revival. Why? Because we're weak. We're weak. We're weak in the flesh. An incredible promise attached to an incredible command. Let's think about it this way. Have you just ever recklessly trusted Jesus that he was going to do what he said he was going to do? I never did. Honestly, I never did until I planted this church. Never did. I, you know, I remember <laughs> telling Camden, I think I've shared some of this before, but when I first told her that I wanted to plant a church, she just looked at me and went, Oh, maybe that's somebody else's gift. <laughs> I'm not an entrepreneur at all, right? And you go through any church planning assessment, and they're like, you need to be an entrepreneur. You need to be really outgoing. I'm kind of an introvert. Like, all the strikes were wrong. But then you just recklessly trust that God wants to do something. And when it's totally out of your hands, God will start to move. God will start to move. You know, some of you are sitting here today, and you need to take that step too. You just need to recklessly trust God. Recklessly from the world's perspective, by the way, not from God's. Can I encourage you to this week try something that's off the wall crazy for the Lord? That person that would never come to church with you, 
Invite them. What's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to say no. And then you're going to be like, it's because you're dumb. <laughs> no, you shouldn't say that. Even if it's true, you shouldn't say that. But, but, I, but I think that we get in our own head and forget that the last thing Jesus Christ said to us was that you have the power of God available to be my witness. Wow. What if that's true? What if that is true? We're going to need a bigger building, right? If God wants to save people like he says he wants to save people, like he saved some of you in this church, what does he want to do? If you're not fishing, you're not following. The good shepherd knows better than you, knows you better than you know yourself. That's good news. It's really good news. And then he's given us insight into the kingdom. And this is a really important part for us as Americans. It's not our kingdom. It's not our kingdom. It's not the big house with the white picket fence. Those things aren't bad. I like my house. God's been good. That's not what this is about. If he took that away tomorrow from you, whatever, whatever that American dream is for you, if he wiped it out tomorrow, would you be okay? Most of us wouldn't be. I'll confess, like, I would really, really struggle with that. I would really struggle with that. God, why aren't you providing? Some of you are homeless friends today. What's God doing? What's God doing? I want you to know that he's the good shepherd today. That he loves you and he has a plan for you. And they are for your good if you are a child of God. But good doesn't always mean what we think it means. God's got a mission for you right where you're at. There are people on this street every day that need Jesus that will never talk to me but they'll talk to you. What does God want to do where you're at? It's not about our kingdom. I'll never forget, I was having a conversation with Joe, who's in here today, and he said, he said, you know, I've lost everything, but I've never known God better. Wow, that's awesome. It's incredible. It's not about our kingdom. It's about God's kingdom on earth and, and I want you to know that moving forward out of this series and out of this Easter, it's going to change what we do as a church. We want to start putting into practice the things that God has told us to do as a church. To just recklessly trust God. Just to move forward in faith that God's going to do what he said he's going to do. Jesus looked at Peter and said, You, Peter, on this rock I will build my church. What What is the significance for us? Peter was a... Peter was unstable at best. <laughs> Your pastor is unstable at best. <laughs> but God has a vision for his church. And he's called you to be a part of it. 
And he's offered you the power of the Holy Spirit to build his kingdom and not yours. So what's that going to affect? It's going to affect your finances. It's going to affect your uh, speech. It's going to affect your fear. It's going to affect everything. It's going to affect the way you parent. You're not just going to look for the safest place. You're going to look for the place where God can use your kids. Rubber meets the road, right? I look at my little four-year-old and I'm like, whoa, he's so fragile. (laughs) You know, you look at your job and your job title and you say, oh, but it's so fragile. And Jesus just wants you to trust him. That my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. It's about his kingdom. I want to close this way. I want to close this way. I want to close by looking at our world. Then I want to look at our city. And then I want to look at our neighborhood. If we are to have the power of the Holy Spirit of God, God the Holy Spirit, living in us to be his witness, what's that going to do? I've got a couple a couple photos that were taken this week from the world. Okay, put up put up the first one, Jordan. That looks pretty happy, doesn't it? You know where that photo is? That's in the Gaza Strip. It's in the Gaza Strip. Who knew that all those flowers and happy people were in the Gaza Strip? I think we just we look at we look at the Middle East and we say, man, what a crazy off-the-wall, insane place. And we forget that God is at work. That God is at work. That in that scene, we see trust in the Middle East. We see security in the Middle East. We see all the things that we never think about. That God is still on the move even in the most difficult places. I love that photo. Go to the next one. This was a church that ISIS bombed over in the Middle East. And it was the day after that Coptic Christians gathered back in there and just worshipped Jesus. Literally the day after it got bombed. I'm not even sure your pastor would be back here If it got bombed. I would like to think I am. What an incredible testimony. That God is on the move in the most difficult of places. That they're not sitting in the convenience we're sitting in. But God's on the move. God's working. God's faithful. And they're not worried about it. I mean, I'm sure they have worries. I'm sure they were worried when they walked back in there that ISIS would still be there or be waiting But there was something that mattered more. Let me show you one more photo. This was a Sudanese boy, a refugee, who fled his country just across the border to a neighboring country. And even in the distress, was able to fall asleep. What did Jesus say about children? Unless you have faith like a child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Even in the worst of circumstances, can you rest in Christ? 
and you rest in Christ? What do those three pictures have to do with us? Let's begin praying that God would increase our territory and expand our vision and allow us to be a partner in some way, somehow, in what God's doing in these difficult places. You say, but we're such a little church for now. But what if God wants to do something big through our little church? What if God wants to use you to do something big through our little church? Can we just expand our vision together outside of our circumstances and into the purposes of God bringing his kingdom here on earth? Let's talk about our city and our neighborhood quick. Our city. Let's meet people where they are because you're already there. I just jotted down a couple. Think about the craft scene around here. There's craft beer. There's craft coffee. There's craft flea markets. And who knew a flea market would be cool? There was one in Pennsylvania called the Q Mart, and we were like, you know, you would like cover your face when you went in there, and you're like, oh, but I can get cheap meat, yo. Right? Like, I, I want to see my neighbor here. <laughs> right? You just, you're already there. What if you would be the light of the world? What if you'd be the city set on a hill that cannot be hidden? Think about the professionals you work with every day who do the daily grind just like you do but could use hope. They just punch in, punch out, punch in, punch out, punch in, punch out, and that's all they're living for. What if they had hope? Think about the nonprofits you're volunteering at who are doing incredible work but can't see what it's connected to. The kingdom coming on earth. The neighbors your kids are playing with or the neighbors you're talking to. But then let me challenge you here too. Do it where you already are, but then go somewhere where you haven't been. Get to know somebody who's not like you. Get to, some, get to know somebody intimately that's not your skin color. Get to know somebody intimately that doesn't just speak your language. It'll shape you. God will shape you through that. And God will grow you through that. And then think about our neighborhood right here. It starts right here. Right here. We have homeless neighbors and friends who need our love. We have businesses and apartments and condos being built over here. What if you would just commit your life to this place and what God's doing here? And out of that, begin to reach this neighborhood and then this city and then the world. See, because that's what he said. He said, in Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the earth. We, Redeemer City Church, need to do that. We don't just need good music. We don't just need good preaching. Those are important and biblical. But then we go and be his witness. We're the ones who bridge the gap through Jesus. You know, a lot of times we don't talk about, you know, we say stuff like Jesus doesn't need us and he doesn't need you. But he chose to use you. He chose for you to be the conduit through which the Holy Spirit would run run rampant through the world. There are billions of Christians all over the world 
worshiping Jesus today. And in some ways that makes us so insignificant, but in other ways that makes us incredibly significant. That we would link arms with fellow believers all around the world in declaring that Jesus is enough. We've been strategically placed here. Some of you are here because we were strategically placed here and you needed Christ. In all the places you're already frequenting, you have the power of the Holy Spirit of God. You also have the power of the Holy Spirit of God to go into the places that you haven't been, to reach people with the power of God. You will be my witnesses. Are you being his witness? Some of you are. I know some of you are. And uh, I just want to have you stand with me. The band's going to come up. I, w- I want to do something a little bit different for us. I don't know if you ever do this, but I'm, let me encourage you to do this. Is to pray directly to the Holy Spirit. Most of the time we default to uh, Father or Lord or Jesus. Pray directly to the Holy Spirit. He's God, you know. God the Holy Spirit. I want to pray to the Holy Spirit this morning and ask Him to come on you with power this week. That you would be His witness. And then it's on you to remember and to live in the power of the Spirit as He's promised to give it to you. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we come before you humbled that you are God. That you're our guide, our comfort, our ever-present help in the time of trouble. That you teach us the word. That you empower us to do what the word says. Holy Spirit, I pray for every person in this room right now that if they don't know you, that you would rescue them, that you would change them, that you would take their heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh. And God, for those of us that know you, Holy Spirit, would you lead us this week, that we would not place you on a shelf as an afterthought, but that you would lead us with dynamite power to be your witness. Give us eyes to see. Would we do what Jesus encouraged us to do? Look up and see the fields are white unto harvest. Holy Spirit, empower us to see that and to follow through on that. And that you would save people. We don't save people, but for some incredible privilege of a reason, you chose us to be the conduit for your I pray that you would be faithful so that we could be faithful. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Holy Spirit. And we love you, 